you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are continuing our walk through the Gospel of John. And um, this is a, it's a tricky text because you've heard this text preached a lot. Because it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in John. It's the only miracle other than the resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels. So it's an important one. But, but why? The first thing, the reason I think is this. It's, it's really impressive, right? It's pretty good. Five loaves, two fishes. We say low, so you might be thinking like loaf of bread in your head. But this is a kid's lunch, right? And they didn't make loaves of bread back then. Think in your head, large biscuit. Right? Five large biscuits made of barley. And two pickled fish. Mmm. Pickled fish. Right? Tasty, huh? Now those of you are going, wow, that's a lot of gluten. I don't know. That's a lot of gluten going around. But that's what they had to work with. And Jesus takes these five loaves, two fish, and makes something out of nothing. That's the cool part. He makes something out of nothing. See, in those days, they lived with lots of other cultures around them. So they had uh, people from Babylonia and people from Rome. And there were other stories of how this world came to be. The Romans had one, of course. The Greeks had one, of course. But they all had a common element, that there were beings, powerful beings up there, and they took stuff and they organized it. They took chaos and they made it work. What we have in Genesis is completely different. It's completely different. God makes, God creates from nothing. The theologians call this uh, creatio ex nihilo, creation from nothing. And it's unique to the Judeo-Christian story. And so when Jesus does this miracle, he's not saying, look at this cool party trick I can pull off. That's not what he's saying. When Jesus does this miracle, he's saying, I am creator. God. So that's one reason I believe all the gospel writers record this miracle. The other one is that it's really powerful. See, in our culture, this is an impressive miracle. We're like, wow, that's a lot of food. Well done, Jesus. Good job. In that Jesus' time and day and age, this is life-giving. There's no grocery stores. You grew your own food. And if the crops were good, you ate well that year. And if the rain came a little bit too late, or a little bit too early, or not at all, you did not eat well that year. Maybe, sometimes, not at all. It was, not, it was rare, but was not uncommon, for someone to sell himself into slavery for food. So when Jesus feeds 5,000 men, in addition to the women and children who were there, this is really, really impressive. And I think the third reason all the gospel writers record this miracle is that there simply were just a ton of eyewitnesses. People saw this, they experienced it, they, they ate the bread, they ate the fish, and said, wow, this guy is special. And all the gospel writers said, well, we, we can't really skip this one, we've got to put this one in. We get it in all four Gospels. 
And there's lots to learn from this text. But I want to highlight three main lessons we pick up from it. But the lessons won't apply to all of you at the same time. Because I believe we go through seasons in our life. There's ups and there's downs. Uh, there's good times and there's bad times. And your season may not be as my current season in life. But I think this text has something for everyone here, no matter what season you're in. So here are three seasons I want to talk about from this text. The first is this. There's a time to rest. Jesus, in our text, it says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. What's the far shore of the Sea of Galilee? So Jesus does most of his ministry on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. That's where Capernaum is located. That's where Nazareth is located. That's where the large city of Tiberias is located in that day and age, and is today, actually. Jesus does most of his ministry on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. So to go to the far side is to go to the eastern side. And in Jesus' day and age, there were, um, it's mostly a Gentile region, not nearly as populated, and still so to this day. The eastern side is not nearly as popular, populated as the western side. And so Jesus goes to the far side to get away from everybody. He needs a break. And the crowds follow him there. You know what this is like. It's the weekend. You finally get some well-earned time off. And your boss calls you on your cell phone and says, you know, I was wondering if you could come in and just, just get some extra stuff done. You're like, come on, seriously, it's my day off. You can't be doing this to me. Jesus has this experience. 5,000 times over, he has this experience. He can't get away. But he's trying to. But he needs some time off. In fact, the Gospel of Mark makes it clear that Jesus later on takes some time out to pray. He does it that night. Now here's the lesson. If Jesus needs some time to rest, I would submit that perhaps, maybe, you might too. Would I be correct? Yes. Okay. Any time to rest. The rhythm of our lives has always included rest. God's rhythm includes rest. God creates the world in six days, and on the seventh, he rests. rests. God gives commandments to his people. The fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Sabbath is Hebrew for the resting day. You need to rest. And when Jesus says rest, he doesn't mean veg on the couch and watch Gilligan's Island. That's not resting for Jesus. See, for Jesus, resting means to rest in the one who sustains, uh, to rest in the one who gives life, to rest in the one who saves, to rest in the one and only true God. You need to rest. In other words, you need to worship. This time is designated as a resting time. And so when people ask me, they say, 
what should I wear? People will call and say, hello, I'm, I'm new in town. I'm coming to your church. What do people at your church wear? I'm like, it's the mountains. You wear what you want to wear, right? Because <laughs> it's a resting time. And if that works best for you, coat and tie, looking dapper like Mr. Nate, then you do it. If it works best for you in t-shirt and shorts, then you do it. But this is your time. Your time with Jesus. Because you need it. Because when you don't get it, things get off-centered and unbalanced. And uh, can I say it? Discombobulated. I'm going to say it because I've never said discombobulated in a sermon before. But I just did. We need to be centered. We need it. Jesus needed it. Jesus needed it. You needed it. And sometimes it's a, it's a weekly thing. It's just a time of rest. But sometimes in your lives, and you may know this, you need extended rest. You just need time with yourself and Jesus. And I want to encourage you. If you need it, take it. Do whatever it takes. Maybe just an afternoon. And you get away, and you turn off the cell phone, you shut down the Wi-Fi, maybe you take a walk somewhere, take your Bible or a Christian book you've been wanting to read, and just take some time. And don't feel guilty about it, because Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, you probably need it too. So it's important. It's a time to rest. But we also need a time to trust. It's a great, it's really funny in this text. It says this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Isn't that great? Jesus is funny. And Philip says, we take a half year's wages to buy enough bread for everyone to have a bite. Are you kidding me, Jesus? What is wrong with you? Jesus is really funny. You think, oh, that's not really a fair joke to play. That's like, that's a, I mean, come on, you're, you're Jesus, right? But when you think about it, the disciples have been following Jesus for at least over, about at least a year by now. And as John records, they've seen him do at least five miracles by this point in time. They should have known. They should have known. Philip should have had the faith to say, I don't know, Jesus, but you do. You know. But he didn't. He didn't. It's a common challenge. Jesus throws a test at you and says, how are you going to get through this? How are you going to get through this? We say, Lord God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what's going on, Lord God. I, I don't know. I don't know. How many times have you faced that challenge in your life? Pretty often. And when you face that challenge, two things are going to happen. Either you'll grow or you'll get bitter. And you get bitter when you look at Jesus and you say, Jesus, you, you, you failed me. You failed me. You grow when you look at Jesus and you say, I'm not sure what's going on. 
and I don't even understand what's going on, and I have no clue how this is part of your plan. But Lord, you know. You'll take care of me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. He said, the right way to pray is to stretch out our hands and ask of one who we know has the heart of a father. Those are inspiring words, aren't they? Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote those words while in a concentration camp. He was a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the 1940s. And he was convicted of taking part in the plot to assassinate Hitler. And so they threw him away in a concentration camp, and they executed him one day before Allied forces uh, saved the camp. Bonhoeffer had a lot of reasons to be bitter. <laughs> a lot of reasons. And instead, he looks to God and says, you know what, God, you're going to get me through this. I'm here for a reason. And Bonhoeffer was known to be a fantastic pastor to the other prisoners in the camp. Where are you right right now? Are you in that season of challenge where Jesus is looking at you and saying, how are you going to do it? And you might be just spinning your wheels going, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And Jesus is waiting for you to say, but you, Lord, you know. And I'll put my trust in you. There's also a time to believe. So Jesus feeds 5,000 men. Who knows how many women and children are there as well? Some estimates are as high as 20,000. We just don't know for sure. It's all a guess. But we know he fed at least 5,000 men plus. Plus. An incredible thing at a time where food was often scarce and in short supply. And the people say, this guy should be king. Because what do you want the king to do? Protect and feed. This guy can do it. And Jesus says, it's not why I'm here. It's not why I came. He takes off. And this happens a lot in our world today. So the text from Jeremiah talks about the shepherds. And it talks about how shepherds are supposed to protect and to trust. And Jesus is the shepherd. And uh, I, as a pastor, am an under-shepherd. That's what pastor means. It's, it's Latin for, for shepherd. And shepherds do two things. They, they protect the sheep. And shepherds kill wolves, too. So I'm going to do a little wolf slang here. In our world today, there are people, there are pastors who will promise you something that you can get from Jesus. They will promise that thing first and Jesus second. The term for those pastors is prosperity gospel, and they're everywhere. So as a shepherd, I need to tell you this. Look out for that. Be on your guard. Anyone who promises something first and Jesus second is really just selling you another idol. Jesus offers himself. 
And he doesn't offer himself as you would like him to be because he loves you too much for that. Instead, he offers himself as he is. And this is why we pray the Lord's Prayer, Lord, your will be done. But Jesus, your will be done. It's a great line that Tim Keller has in his book on the Gospel of Math, or Mark, rather. He says this. He goes, I think it's a really cruel joke. No, hey, I put it this way. He goes, I think if God wants to play a cruel joke on someone, he gives them everything they want. Jesus offers himself first. He invites you to pray for daily bread. He invites you, of course, to pray for the things you need in this life. There's nothing wrong with that. But when pastors offer that stuff first and Jesus second, they're selling a lie. See, prayer is not some sort of power tool that you use to manipulate God to get to what you want. Rather, prayer is an empty toolbox that says, Lord God, I am yours no matter what you give. I am yours. It's a faith born because, <laughs> because the tomb is empty. Because Jesus Christ died and rose for you. And a love like that can't be faked. A love like that can't be misconstrued. A love like that can't be used for our own purposes. But Jesus loves like that for one and only one reason. Because he loves you. And he offers himself. And he says these two words that will change your life. Follow me. Follow me. It's a challenge. Because what we'd rather do is say, Jesus, you follow me. <laughs> this is where I'm going. Why don't you come along, Jesus? Why don't you bless what I'm doing? Jesus says the exact opposite. He says, follow me. Why don't you bless what I'm doing? It's completely different. So this summer, I want to encourage you. Maybe you need that, that time of rest. I want to encourage you to grab it this summer. Even if it's just an afternoon. Grab it on Sunday mornings, please. This is for you. Get that Sabbath time. Maybe it's that time of trust. We're going through that, that challenging season and Jesus is saying to you, what are you going to do? And he's inviting you to fall back in his arms. Maybe it's that season of believing. And going through a season where you're, you're just going, things are going great, you're pushing hard, and you're like, Jesus, come along with me. And Jesus says, no, follow me. What season are you in? No matter what season you're in, know this. Jesus Christ is for you. And he died and rose for you. So we can follow him. Amen? Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting.
Stand and praise our God. song for today, we will dance.
keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.
Amazing. Absolutely. We actually have 